This is a TSN 1040 hot audio clip brought to you by Universal Supply, Vancouver's largest plumbing wholesaler, where you don't have to be a plumber or a contractor to save big on all the big name brands. Dance our way into this next interview here with Harmon Dial. Who joins us on the line from Victoria, Canucks training camp, going down today. I, I spoke to Jeff Patterson earlier. We're going to talk to Harmon Dial now, get his thoughts on what's happening with the Canucks on day two of training camp. Harm, thanks for joining us. Happy to be back on, guys. All right, so uh, your takeaways uh, from today. What have you seen? What do you like? And what do you? Uh, what what is piquing your interest? Well, it was interesting to see the Bo Horvat and JT Miller combination. And again, I think we don't want to read too much into uh, line combinations and, and potential chemistry on uh, on day on day two as early as this is. But they looked really good together. I think, especially they had uh, Goldobin on their line, and we'll see if that sticks. But that line looked to uh, spend some good time in the offensive zone. They looked like they they read off of each other well. They they drove play well, and so that was an interesting combination to follow. I think uh, today was also a look into, I guess, some of the. The, the hurdles Quinn Hughes is going to face as he enters his rookie season because there are going to be growing pains. I have no doubts that he's going to be an excellent defenseman for the Canucks this season, but we saw him in the scrimmage give up here, um, give up, uh, walk himself into trouble, and, and, and it led to a turnover, which uh, led to a goal, uh, goal against. And so that's the type of thing where hopefully with experience and, and more maturity he'll grow, grow out of. But for sure, I think that's just a reminder that for as good and exciting a prospect as Hughes is and as confident that I am that he'll be able to make an impact from day one, there will be moments here and there where he makes mistakes and that's just part of uh, the pro- process of entering the league as a rookie and growing. Joined by Harmon Dial from the Athletic Vancouver on Rick White on TSN 1040. Harmon, do you think that that's the biggest coaching challenge that Travis Green is going to face in this season is how he handles a Quinn Hughes, not just off the ice, and I know that there's going to be that component to it as well, but just learning to cope with the mistakes and let him grow and and work through them rather than just you know keeping him on a short leash. I mean, we all know what sort of player Quinn Hughes is. High risk, high reward. How do you think that Travis Green's going to handle that going into this year? Yeah, that's going to be a compelling storyline to follow, especially when you consider Travis Green is one of those coaches who really emphasizes um, the importance of being able to trust guys in the last five minutes of a hockey game. Is Quinn Hughes this season going to be that type of guy that he can rely on in, in the third period of a tight hockey game, or is he mostly going to see the sidelines in a lot of those situations? But to me, I think Travis recognizes quite obviously that Quinn is a is a very special talent, and 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 he's going to put him in a, a position where he can best succeed. And and for you look at potentially pairing him up with Chris Tanev, I think that's a perfect safety valve for him as someone who can cover up and, and be a safety net. So you, you tack that on. I think I think for from Travis's standpoint, it's just going to be. The, the matchups, putting him in, in perhaps more favorable offenses on situations um, and, and bringing him along more slowly, perhaps similar to Will Butcher 
in New Jersey in his rookie season and, and so slowly giving him the opportunity opportunity to spread his wings there. But for sure, his management, especially when we talk about the power play, even whether he'll get a shot on the first unit there, it's going to be it's going to be a storyline all season. Harm, we just put the uh, poll question out, and we're asking the folks today, does Mitch Marner signing accelerate the Brock Besser negotiation? And, of course, you're talking about power play, and Brock Besser is a key part of that as well, uh, uh, an area that the uh, Canucks struggled in last year and have done the necessary uh, changes in terms of bringing in personnel to try and beef up the power play. But let's be honest, like Brock Besser is you know a major part of the power play for the Canucks, and so does the Marner signing accelerate Besser? And like a lot of people were saying that once Marner goes, then the other dominoes will sort of fall as well around the RFAs, but uh, just keeping it close to home. Do you see that accelerating Brock Besser? I don't know about Brock Besser specifically, personally, because I look at Marner's situation in Toronto is just so much more different. I think he's a lot more comparable for someone like uh, Amico Rantanen, maybe not a Patrick Laine because he's probably going to get bridged, but even like a Kyle Connor and setting some sort of a market, I think especially given the Canucks' cap space, they are in a situation where they're going to have to have to be creative if they want to get a long-term deal done. We don't know whether uh, that's possible quite yet. Um, a lot of that stuff is, is behind closed doors, but I think given given the the circumstances, I just don't think that Marner's deal getting done changes much on the Brock front. Having said that, the closer and closer you get to the start of the regular season, I think both camps really there's an added incentive. I mean, no one benefits from Brock missing out on training camp. His from his own standpoint, a guy like him misses misses training camp. It's going to affect his timing. Um, things like conditioning and getting back into the overall flow. I mean, we saw, and it's a bit different because he missed the full two months, but William Nylander's situation in Toronto, he wasn't the same player after missing two months of the regular season. So it's important, and I think that that situation with Nylander, how that unfolded really has um, has nailed down the importance of, of getting guys back into your lineup as soon as possible on these RFA negotiations. So I think it's in the interest of both sides for Brock to be with the team sooner rather than later. And I think that'll really be a pivotal factor in helping both parties find uh, common ground here on negotiations. Rink White on TSN 1040. We're talking with Harmon Dial from the Athletic Vancouver. Harmon, a lot of the discussion coming out of camp, certainly yesterday, has been about Jake Vertanen and his inability to meet certain off-season goals set by the coaching staff, uh, skating with the third unit. There's a lot of forward depth on this team now. They can really afford to bench him if necessary, but obviously I'm getting way ahead of myself here. Where do you think he stands going into this camp, and where do you fit, think he fits in the greater, bigger picture here? because there's a lot of new bodies and a lot of competition for very few spots. Right, and I think it's very important, as you alluded to, not to read too much into things. I think it's from my perspective, and especially after hearing Travis comment, he was very careful. He was very adamant that we shouldn't take this beyond face value. It's as simple as Jake didn't meet certain fitness expectations and from Bertanen's answer it sounded like he wasn't far off and, and 
and the consequences for that was that for day one of this of training camp, he would be with the third group. But today we saw him on the ice. He was with uh, with the first group and. And he had a bit of a chip on his shoulder to start. He was more physical, driving to the net. There was a little bit uh, of oomph behind his play. And I think in the greater scheme of things, and again, Travis talked about how important Jake is moving forward. I don't see a situation where this is a big issue. I think it's, and it's only natural, given that this is training camp and there aren't a lot of storylines going around. I think it's been overblown. For me, Jake is still, he's going to be like many of the other middle six forwards uh, on on the bubble. They're going to be fighting for spots in the top nine. And so for Jake, really the the key thing to keep in mind is where exactly in the lineup is he going to slot, especially if Brock doesn't miss preseason and and, uh, hopefully he doesn't, but maybe even a couple of regular season games, whether that's on a third line, whether that's on a fourth line in a defensive role, played with more offensive guys. It's going to be really interesting, and a lot of that will be dictated based on how the tandem plays. But again, I wouldn't read too much into what happened yesterday. What about Goldobin? Uh, where, where do you see Goldie at this point with the with the Canucks? I mean, it's definitely a, a make or break season uh, for Goldobin, and of course, with the talk of you know the Canucks wanting to be a top nine as opposed to a top six, um, do you see there being a place for Goldobin within that structure? It's tough for me, honestly, because the way I see Goldobin's game, it's it's similar to Sam Gagne's as far as he's the type of player who isn't great defensively, has good offensive skills, can help out on the power play, but you need to deploy him in in a very specific way to get the most out of him. And, and you look at Gagne's situation in Columbus, for instance, he thrives on on an ultra modern fourth line in in uh, with the Blue Jackets that John Tortorella assembled, one that was built for scoring and and got softer matchups, favorable zone starts, and that that to me is is the picture, the deployment that a Nikolai Goldobin needs for for the team to get the most out of him. Give him uh, give him a line where it's in the bottom six. It's got those easier matchups and 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 you put him in a, in a favorable offensive situation with like-minded teammates the problem is it's hard to construct that kind of a line, uh, that kind of a setup with Vancouver's center depth the way it is the only way that would really be conceivable is if Adam Goddard cracks cracks the NHL roster and plays down the middle to start the season which is, a, is still a legitimate possibility but I'm not sure how fond Travis is of the idea of having a line in his bottom six that's extremely sheltered, given offensive, um, a lot of offensive opportunities. So to me, I just don't think the lineup opportunity that a gold open needs to, to really thrive, I just don't think that's going to be available to him in Vancouver, to be quite honest. All right, Harm, good stuff. Uh, We'll check in again with you next week. And, of course, a big week ahead for the Canucks with the preseason game starting. So thanks for joining us today.
No worries. Have a good one, guys. Armand Dial from The Athletic in Vancouver. And, uh, yeah, like I said, we are going to be talking to Harm here on a regular basis um, as we uh, uh, go forward here in the Canucks season. Have some interesting stuff there at the end about Goldobin. Man, I'll tell you what, J.D., I mean, it's just like at some point you're going to have to do something with him, right? Because, I mean, is he, like, he... I don't even know if I can say with confidence he is an NHL player. He's got the skills to be one, but I can he, he stick to be one? Yeah, and, uh, you know what? That wasn't the really interesting takeaway for me. What I found interesting was he was talking about the circumstances necessary to make Goldobin in the bottom six work, and he went straight to Adam Gaudet as the third-line center. He didn't mention J.T. Miller. So I wonder what Harmon is hearing from people and what yeah. he's seeing in training camp because yeah. that's kind of been the go-to for everyone. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting to hear him just blow right past that one. I mean, I, I think Goldobin's an NHLer. I think he showed that last year. I think that the Canucks snatched defeat from the jaws of victory with his development. And I think it's on them to get him back to where he was in mid-November of last season. All right. We want to hear from you guys on the other side. You can call us 604-280-1040-844-876-1040. That's toll-free or... You you know what? Let's get us in the inbox. 1040-40 via text message live at tsn1040.ca. we got a couple of minutes carved out for you, so here's your chance oh, to hear your voice on the radio or perhaps get your text read right here on Rinkwide, the Season 2 debut on TSN 1040.